Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Sunny Ann Arbor today. Woo, what a nice day. I almost got too much sun. Yeah, and it's uh, staying lighter longer, so slowly, slowly, it's feeling nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, uh, Snowmageddon has been the big story of the weekend. Well, I actually will confess to having had blizzard envy. Blizzard envy, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I like the reminder. I think that humans need the reminder that Mother Nature rules sometimes. And well, I 22 inches of snow in Washington, D.C. is a powerful. I mean, for us here in Michigan, we get that every few years. Yeah. And we've all had experiences with dealing with it, but having lived in D.C. for two years, that's a mind blower for for those folks. Yeah, they don't have snow shovels and stuff. So it wouldn't even have a snow shovel. A yeah. lot of those people. Uh, sorry, a trowel is not going to. It's not going to work. Anyway, uh, we will uh, let the uh, Washingtonians fend for themselves. But yeah, thirty inches in some spots. Twenty six inches in parts of New York City. Ooh. And you wonder too if there's at some level. Uh, or some point at which a, a storm like this begins to make uh, some of the climate shift doubters go, gosh, maybe there is something to it all. Well, the thing that's interesting... It's not usual for yeah. D.C. to get that much snow, certainly. Yeah, and certainly nor'easters happen all the time uh, with regard to New York uh, City. Mm -hmm. uh, Washington is sort of at that line that frequently doesn't get a lot of snow, but... Uh, it's not completely unheard of or unusual, and, uh, you know, they just had a, uh, a report out this week that uh, 2015 was the warmest on decade. Yep. Uh, in fact, you know, what was interesting about the, the map that they actually showed, uh, showing this uh, actual, uh, the science of it, the science that's being denied in some quarters, is some areas of Russia... We're talking Siberia at this point. More than five degrees above normal. And this, of course, is where the permafrost is. Uh -huh. And this has been of real concern for a lot of uh, scientists studying this, um, showing uh, you know, the, the, the impact that this may potentially have on methane. Uh, there's allegedly frozen methane in the northern parts of our favorite country with time zones. How many time zones? Do you know how many time zones they have in the Soviet Union? Eleven. Wow. Eleven. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, in, in fact, what the map shows that uh, much of the United States, slightly above normal, uh, northwest uh, part of America, way above normal. And just looking at the map, the only real parts of the globe that were below normal are down in, you know, Antarctica and some spots up in the northern Atlantic and uh, northeast Canada. And that's it. And uh, 
alarming heat in uh, Brazil. Uh, of course, they're having an enormous drought. And the Horn of Africa, Saudi Arabia, parts of the Middle East. Uh, it's already been documented, for instance, that Ethiopia is uh, looking at a uh, another enormous famine that is going to require international aid. So the weather map is worth looking at. Uh, it's in, uh, well, one source is certainly uh, the 21st of January's edition of the New York Times. Top story of the year, 2015, far eclipse 2014 as the world's hottest year, climate scientists say. Global warming blamed for system that is warming up relentlessly. And, of course, it also shows evidence of El Nino uh, off the coast of Peru that is uh, creating a, a wetter uh, situation for southeast uh, United States as well as the, the northwest part of the United States. So it's happening. Uh, let's give out a brain damage award for to Donald Trump. Uh, big story, he goes to church. Here's the sermon. Uh, sorry, Bozo, 20 minutes of, of, of the sermon is not going to prevent you from continuing to sin. <laughs> well, sort of paraphrasing Mark Twain there. Uh, I don't know that 20 sermons will help Donald Trump, but that is an example of a politician going to extraordinary ends uh, to kind of pander to the voters, kind of pull up a, 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 a head fake. Um, and, you know, Trump is probably going to do pretty well in Iowa, but he's only in the 30s in the polls. Yeah, it's the big story in today's, well, not a big story, it's below the fold, but uh, that he didn't fly back as he usually does after a week of campaigning to his palatial estate in New York, or he's got one in Florida and probably one hither and yon as well, but he's getting stayed, nervous. In, a, stayed in a holiday inn. Yeah. Well, of course, and, there was uh, snow in New York. Went to church. Well, <laughs> surely that's uh, a possibility as well, but uh, big whoop. <laughs> so I stayed in a hotel. Billionaire stays in a hotel, whatever. Said it had a nice uh, mattress. Yeah. Clean. He must own shares of uh, <laughs> holiday inn. Ridiculous, but uh, it, at least uh, I'll put his you know church visit in this context. Um, Ronald Reagan talked a lot about a man being a man of faith, but once he became president, never went to church, and when asked about that, said, "Well, you know, I don't want to be a distraction for other worshipers." Okay, that's one excuse I might have tried uh, on my mom for a reason not to go to church on Sunday morning when she was going to make me go. But for somebody who talked the talk, he just sort of refused to even bother walking the walk, and everybody let him off the hook for it. Well, it's interesting because there's there's two sort of cross-currents going on with respect to religion and politics uh, in America right now as we speak. Uh, what's fascinating is the, the most... Uh, rapidly growing section of our country in terms of religion is no religion. Mm -hmm. It's sort of agnosticism or non-denominational attendance to perhaps a, a facility that uh, advertises itself as, quote, non-denominational. So that's one thing that's fascinating. But the other thing that's fascinating is polls uh, consistently show that the one uh, feature of any candidate 
and you know, in my opinion, religion is uh, discussed way too much in our country. What what people's religion is or are their beliefs? Yeah, the, the point of the structure of the Constitution is to render it an, an inessential facet of everyday life that it doesn't matter what your religion is or isn't. Yeah, and there are barely any office holders who are quote atheists. So. If you are running for political office, uh, you do have to nominally choose a religion. Probably not Cthulhuism, though. So, uh, but just don't get involved in Trumpism, because that might be <laughs> a new religion emerging as, uh, well, uh, you know, it's egomania, it's it's libertarianism, it's this sort of... Tea Party confusion, uh, the extraordinary percentage of... Trump supporters believe that President Obama is a secret Muslim, uh, not born in the United States, all that stuff, the sort of weird... This is why... Uh, X-Files stuff. The, yeah, and why the cuckoo birds were coming out of the woodwork uh, last week when Sarah Palin reemerged as just the crucial moment where, uh, can we make this any more ridiculous? Yes, we can. Well, and Sarah Palin, you know, just listening to her for five minutes was... Uh, Trump's all roguey. Screech, screeching. She was screeching at the top of her lungs. She's an embarrassment to the United States of America. That's all we'll say about her. And I don't think she has much sway. Certainly not. I, I you know, why would you want her on a podium next to you? It's, it's sheer death. She's a joke. She's 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 a running joke. I'm surprised that uh, her and Donald Trump didn't recreate the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Donald Trump's hairdo would have uh, done sufficient uh, for the uh, colonial hat, I'm sure. <laughs> it does sort of have that tri-cornered <laughs> fold-up. <laughs> he, he can do a little bit. Palin can ring the bell. That was one of uh, Stephen, clang, Col clang. Stephen Colbert's uh, greatest moments. On his show, uh, when he recreated the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere that put an end to Sarah Palin's uh, Pretty much. 2012 presidential listening tour, is what I seem to remember her calling it, the Patriot Tour. She was she was on a bus. Right, and, driving around. Uh, you'll have to Google that one, but I'm sure that Stephen Colbert riding the, uh, the uh, mechanical horse at the... Uh, supermarket with the penny uh, trying to load a musket while ringing a bell yes one if by land two if by sea <coughs> but this uh, chase after evangelicals in Iowa um, of course Trump is hoping to sort of shave some of those away from Cruz uh, Bob Dole standing on the sidelines still clutching his pen no doubt uh, probably wishing he were a younger guy, and he'd he'd be the best candidate of them all if he were young enough to actually be, you know, even conceivable as a candidate uh, with this field of Republicans. But he's began uh, began to speak out against Ted Cruz in particular. Well, Ted Cruz is saying even... he'd be cataclysmic as a national candidate. Yeah, and I think that both of them w would be. In fact, it's interesting that uh, there's rumblings from uh, former New York uh, Mayor Bloomberg about running as a third-party candidate if the nominees are Trump and Sanders. Because <laughs> uh, you'd need another billionaire to... To round out the field. <laughs> round that out. <laughs> two, bu two billionaires and a Muppet... 
going at it, but at an least... An angry Muppet. An angry Muppet, but, you know, we know what Bernie stands for. That's why people love him. Uh, how well he does in Iowa remains to be seen. I think he's going to do fine in New Hampshire. Uh, that's a neighboring state. The big question in New Hampshire for Bernie, by the way, just from the political science angle of all of this, is that New Hampshire, unlike Iowa, which is a, you know, understanding how the Iowa caucuses actually work, is uh, sort of like getting into the catechism or something, you know. Who knows exactly? It's an arcane ritual. It's unbelievable. And it tends to allow activists or uh, party members from certain uh, factions within each party to uh, generally dominate. In fact, one of the most interesting things in that article that you've got before you is the the, the unbelievable rise of Rick Santorum in the last week of the uh, 2012 Iowa caucus uh, at this point in in in, uh, in, in the uh, race, back in 2012, Santorum was in eighth place in the polls. So the polls in Iowa are notoriously unreliable because you got to go. It's like a town meeting. You got to go stand in a corner, and there are people that organize it, and blah blah blah. And it's very confusing. There's a threshold number, and it often comes down to organization and zealotry. You know, who are the ground forces that you have? New Hampshire, on the other hand, is completely different. It's a state uh, that's very factually pretty much uh, been determined. There's about one-third Democrat, one-third Republican, and one-third Independent. And the Independent is the key vote there because you don't know which ballot they're going to pick. Well, and this is where the youth vote is probably going to provide most of its uh, support for, for Bernie Sanders in Iowa. A lot of the... Uh Articles are talking about the uh, the feet on the ground, the door knockers, and so forth. A uh, lot of high school and college student volunteers. Yeah. and I think he might make he might make Iowa a little closer uh, than it appeared to be a couple of weeks ago. But I still think Hillary will probably edge him out. But it's going to be a close thing regardless, because I don't think O'Malley is a factor in either state. But in New Hampshire, the key is going to be, is Bernie going to be able to convince independents to vote in the Democratic primary? Mm. Or are the independents going to vote in the Republican primary, either for Trump or against Trump? Uh, it's well, that's a state that, yeah. like Michigan allows, here in Michigan, you can vote in the Republican primary whether or not you're registered as a Republican. Sure. So a lot of people did that to throw the votes against W uh, to vote for whoever else was, was on that. So, so. the... Yeah, th th that's why I think that the overemphasis on the results from Iowa and New Hampshire are a bit of a mistake by the media, but it does tend to weed people out. And it's interesting, by the way, that John Kasich is, uh, according to some experts, starting to, to make moves in New Hampshire where he spent a lot of time in these so-called town hall formats. Donald Trump and Bernie like the big rallies. And sometimes it's the retail politicking that actually gets it done, the town hall meetings and whatnot. So we'll see what happens. Well, and that's where Jeb Bush, too, uh, wins people over is when they see him in person. Uh, he's pretty lackluster as a campaigner. But, uh, you know, there's something to be said for actually having some sort of presence in person. Cruz's problem is is that he hasn't really put Carson away. Uh, I think that Carson is probably still taking some of the evangelical vote 
Uh, I don't think Santorum and Huckabee, who both have done well in Iowa in the past, are factors. I think this has really come down to uh, to six people. I think even Christie is beginning to fade. Uh, and Jeb Bush, I don't know. He's been missing in action for quite some time. Well, my thinking on Jeb Bush and Kasich is that they're just sort of waiting around for, I mean, it's taking so long for this Iowa caucus to happen. I mean, it feels yeah. like Groundhog Day already because it's just the same old, same old as we, you know, the American political process is so drawn out that if somebody like Kasich or Bush can just sort of hang in there until you get to the later primaries, you know, then maybe they're still in it and they, they haven't spent as much money. All the media attention has been thrown to Trump anyway because of the freak show elements of his performance. Yeah. And uh, then it's Ru- not that he's spending right. great quantities. No, but uh, which is why he's doing as well as he, he has. He gets a lot of just free media because every outrageous thing he says will be reported uh, and responded to. Uh, Marco Rubio, by the way, strikes me as kind of the X factor in both places. He's kind of an in-between kind of candidate. There's a little bit of uncertainty about him, who he's contending with, what is his constituency. Is he really going for the mainstream? Who knows? So we'll see what happens to him. It's interesting that the Des Moines Register did vote or endorse uh, Marco Rubio in the Republican primary. An interesting thing that I did see uh, in a recent New York Review of Books article about the uh, Republicans uh, was that a Fox, a September 50, uh, 2015 Fox poll showed that, quote, 62% of all Republicans felt betrayed by their own party office holders. So this represents this. This angry constituency out there that uh, Trump and Cruz are capitalizing on. Because, you know, you do the math, that's five out of eight voters. And that's kind of explains where their support is really coming from. So I don't know how the Republican office holders have betrayed well, that, their, their, that raises a series of questions that yeah. nobody's really going to ask, you know, uh, are these people feeling betrayed because their elected officials have completely ground the political process to a halt? Yeah. Uh, which is certainly what a lot of Americans are thinking. Um, have they betrayed their constituents who voted? For, oh, he wasn't as right wing as I thought. And I think that's what Ted Cruz is assuming is, no, we need to go further to the sure. right. Uh, but I think there's a whole host of reasons why these voters are feeling betrayed um, that something like a Fox poll isn't going to bother to be nuanced enough about to reveal. Yeah. And and are they betrayed on the fact that they voted in unison for the Iraq war uh, or shut down the government um, once or twice and have had all these budget crises uh, that none of them voted for the stimulus package that uh, came through in 2009 that's part of Obama's legacy. Uh, What's the betrayal? I don't quite understand what the betrayal is. There's a kind of a mysterious uh, focus on even the word betrayal. I'm not too sure what they've betrayed. Um, They've kept the government open under uh, McConnell and uh, 
Boehner slash Paul Ryan. There hasn't been a government shutdown under in the last year, but uh, they've created a lot of ruckuses. So it, it, it's a mysterious thing. I mean, they denounced the immigration proposals. They denounced gay marriage. What I mean, what is the betrayal? I don't get it. And this sort of willingness for the Republican Party to sort of, you know, surrender. Like, okay, we have an angry constituency, so we'll get angrier and 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 say, you know, you know, more negative things. Uh, for a party that purports to be uh, more Christian than the other party, anger is a is a negative spiritual energy, as I'm sure many, most people are aware. And uh, this is not one of the greatest qualities of the human being, anger. Um, it leads to a lot of rash and poor decisions. Sure. Uh, it leads to a lot of hurt feelings and unresolved, uh, you know, malingering issues. And what we need is the opposite of anger. Uh, anger is not a Christian virtue. No. In fact, I think it's a, sort of a seven deadly sins. <laughs> Indeed it is. Deadly sins. Uh but, uh, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that the Republican Party, in one form or another, has been running America since 1968. The Democrats have actually rarely been in sole control of Congress and the presidency. It happened four years under Jimmy Carter, and it happened two years under Barack mm -hmm. Obama. But if you begin looking at the number 1968 uh, and do the math, <laughs> they've been running the show for quite some time. So many of our problems are precisely because they have been running the show, the dog and pony show, and that's now turned into kind of a circus act. Well, Angry uh, clown with a whip. Yeah, and of course, uh, one of the other big stories of the week uh, with all of this uh, hoopla about Hollywood and Brady versus the Manning boys and all that stuff has been the uh, story in Flint. Boy, it is not going away. It's getting more intensified. Uh, it's, you know, any news channel that you watch, those crawlers along the bottom, uh, this whole Flint story is crawler bait. Well, it is, and it's an interesting example. I mean, um, as I say, I, I'm not calling for Snyder's resignation yet, but b let's give Bill Schuette a brain damage award. Why on earth would you announce today, which he did, a special prosecutor, quote-unquote, or an investigator, or whatever his title is, who's given money to Rick Snyder. <laughs> this is the guy that's going to, quote, investigate the facts. And it's rather late in the day for such a grand announcement, even if there weren't this compromised aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely bizarre. I don't know the personal qualifications or disqualifications of Mr. Flood. Uh, I... I didn't catch his first name. He apparently has some prose prosecutorial experience in Wayne County. Uh, but it's the perception here. Um, obviously, there are other investigations underway, and I think that there are still some unanswered questions about who knew what, when, and all that stuff. But there's a there's an infrastructure problem that's a, that's got relevance to the United States of America and water. We have aging pipes in many, many urban areas. Did the lead get into, in, into people's houses from the plumbing pipes within their houses, from the city pipes? We need more science here. 
and a little less politics. It's quite clear that uh, there were some officials in this bureaucratic snafu in which Snyder, and I'm just going to paraphrase him here, said uh, that, uh, quote, um, there's, this has been a failure of government at all levels. Well, yes, <laughs> the emergency manager factor, the bankruptcy and fiscal problems of Flint, inadequate water treatment facilities, all of these were factors in what happened. There's even a debate about the Flint River. Uh, some people claim the Flint, the Flint River is not the problem. It's the pipes within the Flint River, and it's the chemicals that were used at the water treatment plant. So we have some scientists here and some officials that operate a municipal water system <laughs> that need to start answering some questions about what, what happened and what they knew and what really is going on here. As for Snyder, he kind of looks like, you know, Reagan in the Iran-Contra affair. Doesn't look like he really knew what was going on. But this ain't going to go away. No. And it's going to uh, be a nightmare for him, which I think will bring at least some solace to a few people. But uh, when when you say that this has been called by Snyder a failure of government on every level, it's it's even worse than that. It's a failure to recognize the purpose and function of government to begin with. Yeah. Which is to guarantee public safety. And certainly water is one of the very most important things uh, that you're going to need to rely on. It affects every single person. It's not a class or a race issue. It's everybody. And uh, and it's and it can't be a situation. This is why we have government and why governments have to be supported by taxes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it can't be a situation where, uh, like, like so many of our public debates now, in which public relations trumps and advertising mm -hmm. and marketing and this kind of hype that goes on in our society about economics and whatnot, that trumps science, that trumps facts, and who covered what up and, and all that stuff, well, that's going to come out in the, in the investigations, but it's quite clear. I mean, I think that there need to be some serious questions asked whether Flint should even be habitable. Love Canal... Uh, you know, in New York, up, Upper New York, what had to be, like, abandoned. Um, by the way, here in, in Ann Arbor, I can remember back in the in the 80s and 90s when dioxane... The Gelman spill was on the front page of the Ann Arbor paper just this weekend, still showing the map of the still-affected areas. Yeah. They cover a broad swath of uh, just west of downtown to, uh, you know, west of Wagner Road. Gelman Major Sciences. spill, Gelman Sciences, toxic uh, spill. I think the chemical was dioxane, PCBs. It was a, it was a, it's, it's a defunct <laughs> corporation at this point, but it was a big employer here, and it polluted a lot of drinking wells, basically in the area between uh, Northwest Ann Arbor and Dexter, mm. uh, and did affect even the Huron River for a while. And what you see, I think, in this drinking water scandal, by the way, and I wanted to just remind you that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, that, um, you know, in, in Ann Arbor, we get reports. If you live in Ann Arbor, we get drinking water reports from the various uh, areas of Ann Arbor that supply the water. And, you know, I scan them, sort of skim them, but at least we get the information, and the testing is going on. Right. 
And I think that there's been some clear malfeasance by Flint City officials uh, that uh, is sort of being lost in the shuffle here. This isn't all just Rick Snyder's uh, sort of cluelessness, uh, if, if that's what we call it. I would find it hard to believe that Rick Snyder, if he was told that there was a serious lead in the water problem, would just say, well, just put that in the <laughs> do not file part of the computer program. Put that in the trash bin. <laughs> I would find that hard to believe, but who knows? I guess we'll find out. Um, but w- drinking water, and this is yet another issue that is just simply not covered in this uh horrifically long presidential election. I think the two biggest issues that have frustrated me the most in terms of lack of substantive coverage have been environmental and infrastructure degradation and the fact that there are big technology companies that are just dominating our economy, and I'm not sure it's all to the good, (laughs) Uh, both in terms of employment, uh, where they pay taxes, if they pay taxes, how they're impacting uh, jobs all over the uh, globe, as well as here at home in America. Donald Trump can, quote, make America great again, as he keeps asserting. But I don't know how building a wall at the Rio Grande River is going to do that. No, that's a poor plan for a number of reasons. But Maybe a wall in Syria will work instead. Thanks to Andrew for engineering. I guess we're out of time here on Gray Matters. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling, coming up next right here on WCBN, FM, and Arbor. Hours and hours of commercials and giveaways every 15 minutes. And now back to more music and the million dollar giveaway. What are you listening to? Oh, I don't know, some radio station. Does it matter? I thought all radio stations were alike. Oh, no, Potsy. Not all radio stations are alike. There's one called WCBN that's different. Really? Yes, WCBN will keep you interested in life providing an ever-changing perspective of music and ideas. With hours of freeform, hours of jazz, and hours of specialty programming and news every day. Why, WCBN is a veritable cornucopia of ideas. So, change your dial to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. It will change your life. Gee. You are tuned to WCBN FM and Arbor. This is Saladin. Hosting Yazoo City Calling, your hour long weekly excursion into the roots of the blues. Behind me, you hear the classic Stagger Lee by Mississippi John Hurt. 
been around with him, Charlie Patton, and some Robert Johnson. Stay tuned. He has a city called Kansas City. He's a bad man. Old Cruz Stagley.